I'd like to welcome you to the Jed Hughes Podcast. Each episode will feature a unique leader and will delve into the qualities that inspire greatness, galvanize organizations, and teach the next generation of aspiring leaders. Jed ran the process that resulted in the hiring of Pete Carroll, Jim Harbaugh, Andy Reid, Masai Uzuri. Now, according to Forbes, Jed is the most connected man in sports. Our guest today is one of the elite leaders in intercollegiate athletics, a former athlete, still athlete, who played all the sports in the small town she grew up in, whether it was football, baseball, basketball. Carla Williams, the athletic director at the University of Virginia, became the first African-American Power Five athletic director. Her background as a coach, as an administrator, and as an educator is impressive. More impressive is her ability to listen, develop strategic plans, and build incredible relationships. Our guest, Dr. Williams. Welcome, friends. Both intercollegiate and professional football lack female and diversity candidates in executive roles. Our guest represents a unique blend of student athlete, coach, and administrator, coupled with a master's and a PhD. Carla Williams. Let's go back and talk about this journey that has brought you to where you are today as the first African-American Power Five Athletic Director in the United States. It started uh, with me earning a scholarship to go to the University of Georgia. So I, I earned a basketball scholarship um, because I, I was blessed with the ability to play and I'm extremely fortunate in that I had some scholarship offers in small town Georgia where sports are really, really big, basketball, baseball, football, um, especially. And Well, you played all those sports in, in uh, grammar. <laughs> you were a quarterback. <laughs> yes, I did. I grew up playing uh, all of those sports. And, you know, I was so I look back on it now and I think my mom, oh, my goodness, what must she have been thinking? Because. You know, I'd come home with a broken nose, a bloody nose, a black eye, I'd need stitches, uh, I'd go to the emergency room. I mean, just nonstop stuff. But she never said, she nor my dad never said, you got to stop this. You know, you need to do other things, not play sports. So my journey took me to Georgia, um, but for that athletic scholarship, I would not have gone to college. I would not have even gone. And so I would have just worked there in my hometown and, and stayed there. But thankfully, I was uh, blessed enough to be able to play and earn a scholarship. And I got to Georgia and I saw all these people working as administrators with coaches and different teams. And I thought, wow, that's a job. I didn't even know that was a job. <laughs> and so I just, you know, am to this day, try to be very observant and I love to listen and learn. And so I did that. And 
And then I, I realized uh, at some point that I wanted to stay on a college campus and I wanted to work with student athletes and coaches in different sports. And so I became a GA at Georgia and uh, with Liz Murphy, who was the women's athletic director at Georgia. And so that's how it all began. So you did that. And then people advised you about getting degrees you, because you, you were an advocate in terms of higher education. Yes. which has really helped you in your career. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm the first person in my family to, to go to college, to earn a college degree. My love my parents dearly. My mom could have been a mathematician. My dad could have been a, a political scientist, a historian. Um, but, you know, they, they grew up in the deep South in an era where that just wasn't possible. So I did, I learned a lot from them. And because of my journey, understood the importance of education, super, super important. And so, yeah, I, I, I try to encourage our student athletes to get as many degrees as possible while they're in school. And uh, I had a, a, a professor at Georgia who came to women's basketball games. He had season tickets. And when I was getting ready to graduate, he said, you, you need to go to graduate school. And I said, no, I want to go play overseas. He said, no, you need to go to graduate school. You need to get your master's degree. And so we compromised. I went and played a little bit and came back and went to graduate school and got my master's degree. My husband got his doctorate and got a job at Florida State. We were at FSU and they have a, a great program where they pay for you to, you know, if you go to graduate school as an employee, you, you can go for basically free. At least that's what it was then. And so my husband encouraged me to go back to school He said, you know, if you're ever going to go, now is the time to go. And, and so I did, went back to school while I was, was there to earn my, my doctorate. So Dave Hart was your AD at the time? Yeah, Dave Hart. Yeah. Dave Hart, I always give him credit. And I just saw him at the recognition for Commissioner Swafford's retirement, he and his wife, Pam. I always give him credit because he didn't know me. Coach Dooley, who was a longtime football coach, athletic director at Georgia, when I was going to FSU, I had no job. My husband had a job. Coach Dooley reached out to Dave Hart and said, hey, we've, we've got this person who's coming down there. Great person, works really hard. Would you meet with her? And so Dave Hart met with me and I said, I just want to learn. He said, and I said, I'll work in any area of the department where, you know, you will have me. And so Dave Hart allowed me to I was I, I worked in an entry level position in student development and and I took like so many pay cuts throughout my career. So that was another pay cut. But I got to learn that area from one of the best who was Pam Overton at the time. So Dave, Dave said, you can work in that area. And I said, can I volunteer in any other area that I like? And he said, yes. He said, I'll let the staff know that you're going to kind of be around different departments trying to learn. And I did that at FSU and I learned so much and I'm so thankful to Dave Hart for giving me that, that opportunity. You make a move to Vanderbilt and how's that happen? And how do you get back to Georgia? I'm in uh, Tallahassee and I am working on my PhD. By this time I became a GA. So I took another pay cut from an entry-level student development position to a GA position at FSU. 
the SWA at Georgia contacted me and said, hey, we just got off a SEC SWA call. Vanderbilt's SWA is retiring. And I think they're going to promote somebody internally, but they'll have an opening. So you should keep an eye out and apply. I said, okay, great. Um, and so I was waiting for that position to post. And they told me at Vanderbilt, my, my resume and cover letter letter was the first one across the fax machine. If you can believe that. <laughs> across the fax machine. Fax machine, wow. Yeah. We're dating ourselves. <laughs> yep, yep. And um, uh, Jim Foster, who was a women's basketball coach there, had was one of the court coaches at USA Basketball when I was playing one summer. Yes. So I got to know him, you know, just the, through that experience for a couple of weeks during tryouts. So my coach at Georgia contacted Jim Foster, who was at Vanderbilt at the time and, and recommended me. And so I, I interviewed and I, I fortunately got the job and uh, was able to go there, work with, with Todd Turner and his staff for, for four years. I was at Vanderbilt for four years. And then Georgia calls. So I called Georgia. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Coach Dooley was retiring and they were going to be hiring a new athletic director. And um, so I was paying close attention to it because I wanted to go back to Georgia. And then uh, Georgia named Damon Evans the AD in the summer or in the winter, and he was going to start in the summer. I mean, as soon as I saw that, I, again, got my resume cover letter ready and, and sent it all to Damon, you know, hoping to get an interview to be able to come back to Georgia. And so and so I did. So in uh, 2004, in the summer is when I interviewed it at, at Georgia and started within like six weeks, two months. So you come in in what capacity and then you kind of move your way up. Talk a little bit about how that occurred, the different moves that occurred uh, within Georgia. Yep. So at FSU, I was a GA and I got the job at Vanderbilt as an assistant athletic director, got promoted in that four year span to associate AD. When I was hired at Georgia, I was an associate AD in 2004. And along the way from 2004 to 2017, I, I went from associate AD to senior associate to executive associate to deputy AD and when I left in 2017. So my responsibilities grew uh, while I was there at Georgia over that 13 year period. You talk about what those different sets of experiences were that positioned you to be able to be successful at UVA. I go back to when I was a student athlete. So my experience as a student athlete helps me today. My experience as a coach helps me today. Um, and then when I was at FSU and Dave Hart encouraging me and making it possible for me to just get experience in all those different areas in their department helped me as well. And then being at, at Vanderbilt, a private institution, first, first private institution I had worked at and trying to understand that because there are nuances and differences was great. And then at Georgia, by 2014 or so, 12, 13, I started to realize I was going to hit a ceiling at Georgia. And I needed to be thinking about the places I would like to be an athletic director, if the opportunity presented itself. And I loved Georgia. I love I had a great job at Georgia. 
but I knew I was going to hit a ceiling there. And so I, I made a list of the schools that I would like to be an AD at. And uh, Virginia was on that list. It was a very tiny list because I had a great job. But Virginia was on that that list and everything, you know, I can say to our staff here, I, I won't ask you to do anything that I haven't done. And and that's true because I worked in every aspect of college athletics. And so I'd say all of those experiences at those different places prepared me for this job. So at Georgia, though, you had you know, what reported into you? Oh my goodness. Uh, when I left everything, I was, there was one, I was the only deputy athletics director. So I had a day-to-day responsibility for the entire department. So, so I had football and women's basketball were my two direct reports for sports. Um, and then every other unit reported to me. So everything in the department reported to me. So the UVA experience comes we bring you in for the interview, and it's kind of unique because uh, Teresa Sullivan is the existing uh, leader, and she's going to be transitioning to Jim Ryan. And in most situations, you know, you come in, and the new president or chancellor inherits an athletic director, and they end up changing the athletic director. Here, I think uh, Teresa was smart to encourage and to promote the idea that Jim Ryan needed to be part of this process. And I think the fact that he was, you know, helped from your perspective in terms of how he met you and how both of them felt about you as it related to this opportunity. Yeah, it was definitely a unique situation. Um, and I thought it was great the way that they handled it too, because the, the, uh, here at Virginia, they're called the, the rector and the vice rector, but it's the chair and the vice chair of their board. They were both a part of that process, right. too. So the current chair and then the future chair were part of it, just like the current president and the future president. And so I thought that was uh, it was unique, but I was I was grateful for it because I got a chance to make sure that everyone felt completely comfortable with the decision. So that was really good. Well, you came in and then you put this. Uh... You, you took a look and you put a master plan together on facilities and the like. So talk about what it was like those first 90 days, how you kind of assimilated yourself because people go into new jobs and, you know, you being the first, you know, you, I'm sure there are pressures, you know, media wanting to talk to you, all sorts of different things that you had to deal with, not just the job. Talk a little bit about what that was like. Yeah, it was, it was a mad rush um, because, Virginia is the largest athletic department that I had ever worked in with 27 sports and 750 student athletes. Uh, You know, so, so that part of it, there were sports that I had never seen that I was uh, working with now. So there was a learning curve there with some of those sports. It was a lot to take in and you're right. Everyone wanted to sit down and everyone wanted to talk and, I've met so many people and I've spent, I've been very intentional these last three and a half years to try to meet as many people as I could. And, and, and I have, and also former student athletes uh, work really hard to meet a lot of the former uh, student athletes as well as, as board members. So the first 90 days I spent internally just meeting with our staff here, our head coaches, student athletes, staff members, presidents, 
cabinet, basically, board members, uh, key alums, key stakeholders, vendors, companies. So I, I spent most of that, those first three months doing that and um, a lot of speaking about what was needed because I didn't, you know, my interviews were in Atlanta, New York and Boston. So I'd never, I did not come to Charlottesville until the press conference. And so I had not seen the facility. So once I started, I saw what the need was. So I immediately, you know, just spent a lot of time trying to get a plan in place to, to help our football program, especially, but some of our Olympic sports as well. As your experience has grown, you've come, there are new challenges an athletic director faces today. You've got the NIL, you've got the Supreme Court, you've got what's going on with the NCAA Constitution Committee. How do you see, let's talk a little bit about NIL and how you think that's going to impact because you have some obviously world-class athletes. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't feel, I was on that uh, and still am on it, but the NCAA working group at first, and then it became the legislative solutions group. So I've been on this in the NCAA committee for over two years. You know, there isn't going to be that big of an impact on the industry. I think there will be student athletes that, that benefit from NIL. And that was the whole intent that, that the market decide uh, what student athletes should profit from. Um, so I don't, I'm actually, you know, more keeping my eye more so on the Austin case and that ruling and potential cases down the road that uh, have more to do with pay for play. That'll be more transformational, I think, than NIL in our industry in the coming years. What do you hope the NCA Constitution Committee comes up with it. I mean, my surprise is that, you know, they just aren't dealing with division one schools and the power five that they've got division two, division three, although the constitution says that the issues are with, you know, division one universities and schools. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited about it. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, what I like is that it's not about changing rules and bylaws. It's about looking at the structure, the entire structure, the foundation of um, the association to determine what works and what doesn't work, you know, and what works for what division, what works for what subset of what division and what's not working. So I think it's a great opportunity. It'll be challenging. It's a very complex question, set of questions, but I think it's an opportunity to uh, build a better association, a better governance structure, a better a, a better organization for student athletes, for coaches, for administrators, um, for our entire industry. So I'm excited about the possibilities, um, but we'll have to see how it turns out. How about this conference realignment now? I mean, all of a sudden, Greg Sankey makes a bold move and Bob Bowlesby sitting there trying to figure out what to do. You know, college, I love college athletics and, and we are quirky sometimes and, and we are constantly going through changes. And I think this is one of those times, although, you know, the convergence of topics and issues that we got to deal with today should be spread out over about 50 years, but they're all at, at once and conference realignment is one of them. The conference realignment is not new, obviously. It's a part of college athletics. And so, 
just like we always do, we'll learn and we'll adjust and we'll keep moving on. Do you have any uh, ideas, any thoughts of what might, might transpire? I do. <laughs> if you want to share or it'd not. Be, it'd be totally guessing. I have no idea. I mean, th th there's so much in flux. And then you throw in, you know, social justice and racial inequities and the, the student athletes and, and coaches and staff and all of the expressions of protests related to that. And then you throw in the pandemic that, you know, won't just won't go away just yet. It, it, there are too many things happening all at once for anybody to really be able to predict what's going to happen. I, I don't know. I just know we'll survive. The social justice piece, how did you, University of Virginia deal with that? I mean, you have Jefferson, you've got issues. How did you and your athletes come to grips with that? We talked a lot. I think that's what's most important is listening, giving your student athletes a forum to express themselves and then having the right people in the room to, to listen and what we can change, adjust, address. We... Um, we do that. We did that. But I think it starts with just listening. You know, it is quite frustrating. And I know from firsthand, it's quite frustrating to know that there are inequities, to know that there are injustices and to not have anyone listen to the fact that they exist is frustrating. And so we work really hard to give our student athletes forums, multiple forums to express themselves and, and, ask questions um, and, you know, hear from us and different stakeholders as well. Were there any tangible results from those meetings? Yeah, we have a, uh, we have a, a student athlete, an official organization with the university that's our Black student athlete organization. So they have an organization now where they can come together and talk about topics that are important to black student athletes, black students, it integrates them with other organizations on grounds, which is on campus for us, but we call it on grounds. Um, you know, that is one, our football players created the grounds keepers in response to a lot of things. So the George Floyd and I mean, it could go on and on and on, but also in Charlottesville in August of 2017, then when the uh, white supremacists marched right. um, in Charlottesville and on grounds and a protester was murdered, you know, that impacted our student athletes a lot. So out of all of those happenings, our football team created the groundskeepers and the entire the effort there is to bring awareness to social injustices, racial inequities um, through education and bringing people together. So their their F, their entire effort is to bring people together. And one of the things that they're working on right now is they're working with local law enforcement to try to destigmatize police and to also try to destigmatize the stereotypes of communities, especially communities of color. So they're working with the communities and with police to help um, bring those groups together so that it could just be a, 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 better, uh, a better community overall. So when you think about your journey, being a woman and a person of color, what were some of the obstacles that you feel like you had to overcome? Oh my goodness. Um, 
you know, first as a, as a woman, um, you know, you don't know sports, you don't, you certainly don't know football, you know, so that was quite challenging, not just from administrators who harbor those feelings, but also coaches who harbor those and fans and board members, you know, and so forth, <laughs> who harbor those, um, those feelings. So as a, as a woman it, at this level, uh, in college athletics, there are plenty of people left who think that, um, you know, women just can't, can't cut it in this industry. And then on top of that, uh, you know, a person of color, there just aren't that many people of color who are leaders in our industry, certainly not that many women. For me to be the first in 2017 tells that story. Um, I'm, I'm thankful for the progress that we've made. The hurdles are pretty typical. You know, it, it has been difficult for me because I, it's really clear to me when someone is, um, doesn't want me to succeed. Um, I, I can see that pretty clearly. And um, so it's always painful but it's a learning lesson every time. And I've experienced it at every institution, at every level, at every position where people simply look at my gender and color. And, you know, I've been, I've been on the road many times, whether it was a conference or an event or a sporting event where we've met um, administrators uh, from other schools and they just assumed, I was with my colleagues, they just assumed that I was not this, the senior in the group. And, and my colleagues um, took great pleasure when all of the attention in the initial meeting was focused on them and the in initial introduction and they go, well, Carla's my boss, so you probably need to talk to her. And it's like, oh, okay. You know, so it, it ranges from uh, microaggressions to, you know, some pretty um, discriminatory acts and, and words, but I've learned from it all and it's motivating to me, even though it's disappointing and, and you know, a gut punch sometimes. I've learned from it all. I think it's made me stronger. That's what and my parents taught me, you know, what doesn't kill you, make you strong, makes you stronger. And so... I've tried to take every adversity, every hurdle, and just learn from it and get better so that my work, you know, speaks for itself. Well, you also got a national championship in basketball. That, yeah. was, that had to be pretty special, being a basketball player and getting that done and seeing Tony and his team achieve that. How do you feel about that? Remarkable, because... Um, you know, I won a national championship when I was in high school with AAU. And then we didn't at Georgia and I played with some great, great players at Georgia and we didn't, um, as a coach, boy, we made, we got close. We were in final fours. We played for a national championship, you know, so I've, I've been so close and then to be here and, and to be here for the UMBC game, you know, the year before I had just started. Right. So I was, I was, you know, here for that uh, devastating loss. And yeah, first round. Yeah. 
And I just remember going to the locker. It's, you know, I just adore Tony Bennett. I love working with him. And the way he handled that was masterful. I just thought it was, I learned a lot. And so seeing those guys who were uh, at rock bottom and to see us get that first win, which we were down by 14 points in the first round again. And it was like, oh no. Uh, but to see those guys get that win and then to to win in the second round and then to get to the Sweet 16 and then uh, the, the Purdue game at Louisville was just a remarkable, remarkable game. So, yeah, winning, winning the way we won to get to the national championship, you just you can't even write a story about it. It's just unbelievable. And so it was incredibly satisfying to to be a part of that. Well, I have to say that, you know, as I've watched your journey since you've come to UVA and, and talked to people, you've really put the flag in, in terms of listening, uh, building a program that's inclusive and developing a culture that people feel you care and listen. So uh, congratulations so far in terms of the journey that you've been on and the, and the uh, really differences you've made as it relates to intercollegiate sports and athletics and leadership. So thank you. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you uh, for your, uh, your friendship and mentorship throughout this entire process. And I'm fortunate to be in this industry. I really am. Um, I love, I love it. I love, uh, I love this job. I love UVA. And so I'm consider myself to be very blessed. Excellent.